Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. By definition, a storyteller conveys events in words, images, and sounds, often by improvisation or embellishment. The Living Bread Radio Network presents The Storytellers with Tony Agnesi. Today you'll hear a faith-based inspirational story that's both heartfelt and heartwarming. And now, let's meet today's storyteller with Tony Agnesi. Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to this edition of The Storytellers. I want to remind you to follow the program, if you will, on Facebook and Twitter, and you can follow it at The Storytellers. And don't forget, while you're there, follow me at Tony Agnesi on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And while you're at YouTube, check out my new 5 Minutes with Tony series. We have 24 of those posted so far, and we post two new ones each week on Monday and Thursday. Just some reflections on everyday life. Each week on the program, we feature an inspirational guest, and we discuss not only their personal faith and career journeys, but the ministries they share as both authors, speakers, bloggers, radio and television hosts, and uh, today um, is no exception to that. Tony Kolink is a retired lieutenant colonel from the United States Air Force uh, Judge Advocate General Corps, spent 21 years doing that, and he's the author of The Harwood Mysteries, and it is a medieval historical uh, fiction series, and it's geared for youth, and it's published by Loyola Press. Tony's uh, uh, full-time job is as a law professor and appellate uh, uh, advocacy. In addition, he writes a legal column uh, on Practical Homeschooling Magazine, and he writes and speaks uh, all over the place. And uh, Tony, wonderful having you with us. Thank you for joining us here on The Storytellers. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be here. I have a I have a hard time uh, 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 being as I am of connecting this this legal guy with writing historical fiction. Tell me a little bit about the Harwood Mysteries and how they came about. Well, the Harwood Mysteries it's a uh, currently a trilogy. We'll see if it goes on beyond there. Um, but it's published by Loyola Press. 
And uh, as you mentioned, it takes place in 12th century England. It's really historical fiction for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And it's about a boy uh, named Zan and his uh, best friend, Lucy. And they wind up at a, a location called Harwood Abbey, which is in Yorkshire, England. Uh, and they wind up having to go on different adventures, solve some spooky mysteries. And at the same time, they're sort of dealing with various uh, coming-of-age type themes, uh, such as, you know, what is, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? What does God want from me? And, and actually, especially Zan has some pretty bad things happen to him. Um, so he's also struggling uh, with, you know, with things like why do bad things happen to, uh, to good people and, you know, forgiveness and, and themes like that. Um, the first book, actually, I'll show you the cover, is, uh, is out already. Um, Shadow in the Dark, and uh, the other two books are due for release in uh, 2021, and so we're uh, excited about that. What's it like, re uh, you know, releasing a book in July with uh, COVID <laughs> and all of those things going on? That would not... <laughs> trying to get it to middle school guys to, to read it. That would not have been my first choice, but, um, but God has a greater plan, I'm sure, um, and Loyola Press has a great plan, too. And they've, uh, they've been spectacular at, at rolling this out in the middle of a pandemic. But, yeah, you know, you just kind of throw up your hands. You know, you can't choose uh, some of these things. And, and you just trust that, you know, it'll work out the way it's supposed to work out. Now, I, tell, I, was, were you intrigued with uh, England and historical times, medieval times as a kid growing up? And did you spend any time there? So, uh, you know, as you reference this in your, in your books? You know, I come from a family of Italian immigrants, mostly, you know, came through Ellis Island back in the uh, early 1900s. So I don't really know why I would be some sort of an Anglophile, because I don't really have any English blood in me. But for some reason, probably just because I grew up in the United States, um, you know, I, I, learning about English history uh, has always been fascinating to me. And, and this particular time where I've placed the books in uh, the late 12th century, there is all sorts of really cool historical uh, events going on. You know, we've got, we're about 15 years after the martyrdom of St. Thomas of Becket with King Henry II, who is still, you know, in the, the you know, final years of his reign. Um, we've got the Third Crusade that is about to start up in a, just a few years. In fact, um, you know, if I keep writing in this series, my, uh, my main character might wind up in that crusade if I can get him there. And uh, St. Francis and St. Dominic are just around the corner, about 10 to 15 years. You know, I mean, there's just all sorts of great uh, things going on, both in England and throughout all of uh, Christendom, really. Mm -hmm. And through your books, there's this, uh, the, you know, the underlying uh, pinning of faith and Catholicism and dealing with gratitude and forgiveness, and some of the questions that young people ask. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of the statistics, Tony, about, uh, you know, over half of the people under the age of 30 are now claiming to have no uh, religious affiliation. And, it, and it's something that is of concern to to me and, and in terms of, you know, fatherhood and so forth. Um, how important do you think getting this message to, especially to young guys, is? It's, it's incredibly important, and uh, to, to, to young um, boys and girls, really, the series is, is meant to reach beyond, um, even though my main character is a boy, you know, it's meant to reach beyond that. And I'm actually a father of five. I actually have three grandkids, believe it or not. Um, and, 
And this is near and dear to my heart also, what you were talking about. Um, in my other job as a, a law professor, I actually write a lot about religious liberty issues and the First Amendment and, um, and, and how, you know, our culture has sort of eroded the place of religion, even in the, the legal um, field. Um, and uh, although with the new Supreme Court uh, continuing to get stronger, we might see some, some good cases continued in that area. But uh, the point is, you're right, this is a, a very important time. And that's really one of the reasons I wanted to have this series out there. I wanted it to be there for um, not just Catholic kids either, frankly, because uh, this book takes place, the series takes place in the 12th century. So we're 300 years before the Protestant Reformation. There really was no other uh, Western form of Christianity uh, at this time. And so I actually have had, um, you know, Protestant readers who, uh, the kids, you know, love the series too, and, and, their, and their parents like it also. Um, and, and frankly, uh, it's not even meant to be a purely religious book. I mean, it takes place in an abbey, and there are, uh, you know, at that time, you know, there is a lot of religious stuff going on, um, but, but really it's, it's meant to be just a book for uh, young people and a series for young people, um, and I, I would hope that any, any young person could, you know, relate to the themes that are in the book. And important themes they are as well. So here you are. I mean, you're you're with the Judge Advocate General Corps, and I know you teach law, and I know you write a lot. How do you go from that kind of writing, which I'm sure is very technical and very, you know, to to being a fiction writer, and then and then zeroing in on the specifics of, you know, of kids in that in that middle school, early high school age. Sure. Well, you'd be surprised how many lawyers are closet novelists. I've been uh, shocked at, you know, the number of people I come across that when I mention that I'm, I'm a writer also, they have like novels that they've written also, some of which are, you know, in work, some of them are published, some are not. Um, you know, I think there's something about lawyers and writing because we're so tied to writing as part of our um, trade. And because so much of our writing is a little bit more formal, you know, um, I just think it may be a creative release uh, for, for, for a lot of lawyers. And for me, I always wanted to write. I mean, as a teenager, I have some very horrendously written stories, you know, that were knockoffs of Star Wars and the Lord of the Rings uh, that I still have stuffed in the closet somewhere. So I've been writing my whole life. And um, but the reason this series came together, honestly, um, I mean, obviously, I, I, I thank God and, and Loyola Press for really finding this and, and making it work. But uh, the reason I really focused on this age group was because I did have children who were in their teenage years. Um, and uh, we were a homeschooling family. Like, like you mentioned, I write a legal column for Practical Homeschooling Magazine. I still do now. Um, so, you know, it was important to me to want to have what I would almost want to call good literature for um, teenagers, but modern literature, something that is like the Harry Potter series, but that a, a family that might, you know, have more, uh, you know, religious or family values um, would feel even more comfortable with than Harry Potter. Although, frankly, I, I think Harry Potter has a lot of um, very good things in it. But um, yeah, so that's how I focused on this particular series. Shadow in the Dark is the uh, title of the first book in the in the series called The Harwood Mysteries. Uh, Anthony Kolenk Col is my guest, and Tony uh, um, is, is published by uh, Loyola Press. 
and uh, books should be available just about everywhere. It came out in July. How are things going so far uh, with the series? Well, I think so far they're going great. Um, Loyola, as I said, has been fabulous. I couldn't have asked for a better publisher to, to put this series out. Um, in fact, right before we went on the air today, uh, their marketing people sent me some statistics from their, you know, Facebook ads. And I mean, so they're very active. Um, and, and frankly, the, uh, the head of Loyola was recently interviewed and she said the sales were robust. So that sounds good. I don't know. Yeah, robust is a good sound. Robust is a good word. So I, I liked hearing that. And, and they know that this is a series too. And I think um, the hope is going to be, especially as we come out of the pandemic and the other books start coming out, um, that, you know, I can tell you what my hope is that, uh, that the series is going to be used in schools. Frankly, uh, Loyola has great curricula that they market to both private, uh, Catholic, and, and public schools. And so there's like a natural channel there. And, you know, homeschoolers, Catholic schoolers especially, I think this would be a great series to complement their, you know, history or English curriculum. And so what I'm really hoping is that parents, you know, of kids in this age group will start, you know, reading the book and say, you know what, this would be great. We should really have this in our classroom and telling their teachers about it. I mean, I think that would achieve what I really wrote the series for. You know, I wanted it to get in the hands of young people who were going to be dealing with these kinds of issues, but wanted a really good, fun, kind of spooky story to deal with in the process. And we know also that, you know, maybe a year or two from now, somebody reads the second or third book uh, they, and they enjoy it. Uh, they have a tendency to go back and, you know, and read the, uh, read the first and second. So the sales kind of, for each book kind of increase as the, as the new one in a series comes out. That's been the case with, you know, with the nonfiction that I write, but as, as each book comes out, it kind of spawns some, some new interest in, in what was written before. That's the hope. Tony, on the show, I like to kind of, uh, you know, since the show's the storytellers, I like to find out some personal stories as well. Obviously, you're a member of the Catholic Writers Guild and and uh, and have a strong faith. And I really would like if you'd take a few minutes, if you could, and just kind of share with us your faith journey uh, uh, growing up and uh, to, to, to today. Sure. Well, I grew up in New Jersey. Um, as a cradle Catholic, really, uh, my mother was, uh, I would say, my strongest faith influence. She was the one that brought the kids to church and this type of thing. I went to Catholic schools for uh, elementary school and an all-boy Salesian Catholic high school in Patterson, New Jersey, which is no longer there, unfortunately, Don Bosco Tech. Um, but uh, but so, I, you know, I, I kind of grew up around Catholicism, and I was involved in youth groups and this type of thing. And um, you know, when I was in my uh, late teens, um, two things happened. Number one is um, I started having children, and uh, my wife and I, um, you know, had uh, two of our kids, I think, uh, by the time we were 20, basically. And uh, at that same time, I also fell away from the Catholic Church. I actually started going, uh, my wife and I started going to a uh, a Bible church, uh, like a born-again Christian kind of situation. And as much as I'd grown up in the church, um, and you would think I would have understood a lot of it, I really don't think I really was connecting with it or, or fully appreciated it. And so uh, my journey sort of left the church for a few years. And, um, and I'm not sure, maybe I'd still be uh, gone from the church, except I, I took a job um, probably when I was about 20, 
um, and was working with this guy who was a, a strong Catholic in his 20s also. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start having a conversation with this guy and, and I'm going to convert him uh, so he could see the error of his ways. Um, and so we sort of started having a dialogue and he introduced me to the Apostolic Fathers and to history, to a, a book by Carl Keating that Catholic Answers puts out called uh, Catholicism and Fundamentalism or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when I started, you know, reading on my own and, 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 you know, opening my mind and my heart a little bit, I realized that actually um, my road had no choice but to come back to the church. Because really, once you know church history, it's hard to, um, mm-hmm. it's hard to stay away at that point. Uh, you know, because history doesn't make a lot of sense otherwise. And so I did come back to the church. Um, you know, right around that same time, I joined uh, the Air Force. And, uh, you know, and it's been a rocky struggle. Uh, you know, um, faith is always an up and down thing. And life throws a lot of curveballs at us. And I think that might be another reason why, um, you know, I, I like the, the series that I'm writing here is because it allows my characters to kind of struggle a little bit with their faith. Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know, when bad things happen, I forgot to mention my father actually died when I was in seventh grade, uh, very young, he was 57. And so I also sort of grew up, you know, my teen years without a father. Um, and so, you know, all of us suffer loss in, in some way or other. And I think that, you know, has impacted how I write and even, um, you know, how I've written this series, um, because I think, frankly, all of our you know, kids nowadays, you know, they're dealing with some sort of loss in their lives, whether it's the loss of a parent to death or loss of parents to divorce or just loss of friends or moving around. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, we it's have a concept. 40 million kids in the United States with no um, father figure or father in the household. And in the African-American community, it's almost 80 percent. And and these are situations that, you know, you you learn on the street instead of uh, as you should from uh, from that father or father figure, uh, you know, in your life. So it's it's very very uh, important. Well, I know you're involved in homeschooling too. So your wife your wife was must have something to do with this uh, to 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 do that. Tell us how that all came about. And I, and now with COVID and everything, we've got a lot of people who are being introduced to homeschooling. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's, you know, just like that, we're all homeschoolers all overnight. But, uh, but my youngest is actually now a sophomore in college. And so uh, my, our, our homeschooling days are, are basically over, um, although I still write the column for the homeschooling magazine. Uh, but yeah, my wife was extremely influential. Uh, she is my, um, my strongest critic, uh, as you might imagine. Uh, as any any good wife would be, and uh, so whenever I have some some new thing I'm writing, and I, and if I think it's amazing and just eye wateringly good, I just have to let her read it, and then um, she uh, she disabuses me of that, and I say that sort of with uh, you know tongue in cheek, but the reality is I can't tell you how much I've I've modified my stories and even in this series um, through her input, and frankly. Um, the other person who's had uh, the most influence on the series is my son, uh, who is now in his 20s. Um, but, you know, he was sort of around at the beginning when I was writing it also. And he gave me a lot of great, um, great feedback and great ideas. In fact, the third book, um, I entirely changed the ending after I previewed the ending to him. And his response was, Dad, you can't end the book this way. You need to change this. 
And then I, I did that. And again, he has really uh, you know, keen senses, uh, you know, just an appreciation for art and, and storytelling himself. And so uh, even now, I, I, you know, I, I let him read my writing and, and, and he still gives me great feedback. Whenever I interview uh, writers, uh, a lot of times I'll get questions afterwards. And it's like, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, for the young aspiring writers out there or old aspiring writers, um, you know, they have this story in their mind, right? How, how do you, what are some of the things you have to do to get it from here uh, onto paper, Tony? Well, you know, what I like to tell young people, because I've got a pile of unfinished manuscripts, both from my teenage, 20s, 30s, 40s, you name it, I've got unfinished manuscripts, and, and so do most authors, um, because we all want to write the great American novel, it seems. Um, I actually like to encourage young people to write short stories, because when they write short stories, they can hone their writing skills, and they can actually see the end of the story and get it accomplished. Um, and frankly, short stories are, are very interesting. In fact, I just wrote one for an anthology that the Catholic Teen Books is putting out um, next year for St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really appreciate the ability to, you know, write something in a, you know, a short stint. And, you know, for young people, it's too easy to get discouraged, I think. And so if they take on the big novel, you know, many of them won't get it done. And then they may kind of fall away from writing because they just get discouraged. So I would say start with some short stories, read some books on the craft. You know, none of us or most of us are not natural writers. As much as I thought I was a great writer, uh, my friends in the Catholic Writers Guild over the years have really taught me how to write fiction. And, uh, and it turns out that I didn't know all that much after all when I started. And, uh, and I'm still learning now. So don't, you know, don't be discouraged. You just got to keep going, find other writers to, um, you know, to encourage you. Um, I like the fact that I'm in the Catholic Writers Guild because these are other people who also appreciate, you know, that you know, a lot of us are writing for varied purposes, including, you know, um, just trying to use talents God gave us. Um, so find, find other people um, and, and read and don't get discouraged. Yeah. You know, my uh, storyteller series started out. Um, I didn't know how I could ever write a book. And somebody once said to me, can you write 750 or a thousand words? And I go, yeah, well, just write 50, do that 50 times. And you can, you've got That's a book right. and, and uh, three books later. Um, and I'm not much of a writer at all. Uh, just ask anybody who's edited anything of mine. There's generally more red ink than black, but uh, <laughs> we, we get it done and, and get through it. You know, I, on the subject of homeschooling, I had one question. With everything going on now in education and with the political climate and so forth, do you see anything that, that may be uh, important to note about, um, about homeschooling in terms of uh, the law and legal parts of that? I know that's a part of your expertise. Yeah, I mean, well, thankfully, in the United States, homeschooling is legal in every state. And, and through various lobbying organizations, such as the Homeschool Legal Defense um, Association, you know, we've really blown open the doors um, on homeschooling and, and legality in this country. Um, in the last 50 years. And so the good news is pretty much anyone can homeschool anywhere with a high degree of freedom. And, uh, and so that's, that's great. Um, there also are a lot of public schools going online. I know Florida, where uh, my family and I live um, some of the time, is, uh, you know, Florida Virtual School was one of the early 
schools out there. And it's really, it's a public online school. And so some homeschoolers use it, their kids stay home and do it. And, you know, some people say, well, that's not really homeschooling because you've got teachers out there who are teaching your kids, but, um, but it's more like homeschooling than not like homeschooling. And, um, and there's a lot of that out there too. Um, so there's just so many opportunities for parents. And, and it's not like the old days where you had to have you know, even a parent staying home, you know, from work. Now there's so much flexibility in doing these things that uh, you can really, you know, as we are now finding out, right, you can fit this into your lifestyle no yeah. matter how it is. Yeah, we've, we've been forced to, to, to make that accommodation. Uh, Tony, uh, tell us, uh, tell our uh, viewers and listeners where they can uh, see more on you, uh, websites and, and, and social media and so forth. Where can they uh, not only find out more about uh, the uh, shadow in the dark, but also about you and, and some of the other work you're doing? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, the good news is my name is very unique, right? Anthony Colank, no H in Anthony. Um, there's not too many people out there with that name. And so you can Google me and find just about everything you need. I have a website, antonycolank.com. I have Twitter and Instagram and uh, some Facebook pages for the Harwood Mysteries and also a separate author page. So all those things are out there. Um, and so it's not hard to find. Uh, the books are, of course, available not only through Loyola, but on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and christianbook.com and all sorts of places. But I always like to put a plug in for your local Catholic bookstore because we know how much they're hurting. And uh, I would love to see my book on their shelves. And I would love to see anybody who wants to buy it, go to your local Catholic bookstore and just ask them to get you a copy and to stock it. And um, it's kind of a win-win because, uh, you know, they are definitely struggling with COVID also. And already, you know, bookstores across the board, but Catholic bookstores especially have, have been struggling over the years. So. Why not, you know, give them our business, too? And our radio uh, broadcast is uh, sponsored in part by CatholicBook.net. And I know whenever we have an author on, they try to make sure they stock that book. And and it's a great opportunity for um, our listeners to do exactly what you said, is to get the book, but also be supporting their local uh, Catholic bookstore or CatholicBook.net in this, uh, in this instance. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Tony, I realized, I, I, let me wrap back around to one of your earlier questions that I didn't fully answer. You asked about if I ever traveled to, uh, to England. Yeah. Um, and I actually did back in 2015, I was teaching a, a class in France for the summer and I decided uh, at the uh, whatever ripe age of 40 something to decide to finally do my college years where I would go traipsing about the UK staying in hostels. And that's exactly what I did for two weeks. I went uh, and visited all the places that I was writing about, you know, in Yorkshire and in Lincoln and, um, you know, uh, went to Ireland and Scotland and uh, just really, um, you know, to the abbeys. Of course, they're all in ruins. I mean, because uh, after uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, you know, the English abbeys, you know, the places that I'm writing about don't exist anymore except in ruins because they were destroyed uh, after the Protestant Reformation began and there was such conflict in England between Catholics and Protestants, but, um, but you can still go and see the ruins and, um, you know, and, and I learned a lot just by being there in person. It was a lot of fun. And, and I like to sometimes post, thankfully I took a lot of pictures while I was on there. So I like to post those types of throwback Thursday, you know, photos from my, my research tour, as I call it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Tony, this has been a fun half hour. And for those people, I mean, I know we have a lot of teachers that listen to us. We have a lot of 
grandparents that listen to it. What a wonderful series that you can introduce uh, your kids to, your your grandkids to. It's the Harwood Mysteries uh, Medieval Historical Fiction Series for young people. It's published by Loyola Press. Their very first book came out here just a, a while back in July called Shadow in the Dark. And uh, Tony Kolnick, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure having you with us. Nice to nice to finally meet after these years as uh, members of the Catholic Writers Guild. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure being on your show. I appreciate the time. For more information about those books, uh, you can visit uh, TonyAgnesi.com. We'll have links to all of uh, Anthony's uh, material as well. And don't forget to visit my YouTube page at YouTube.com slash Tony Agnesi. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, the program premieres at 6 p.m. on Wednesday evenings on YouTube at, at the Fiat Ministry Network and at Patchwork Heart Ministries. You can also get it at TonyAgnesi.com or on my YouTube page, YouTube.com slash Tony Agnesi. And be sure while you're there to subscribe and check out Five Minutes with Tony as well. The radio program is produced by the Living Bread Radio Network and airs on Sunday at 4 p.m. Check your listings for the location near you. Stories uh, programs also available on the storytellersradio.com and later in the week at the uh, Catholic podcasting site, breadboxmedia.com. This is Tony Agnesi. God bless you. We'll see you next time with another edition of The Storytellers. you've enjoyed today's edition of the storytellers with tony agnesi to learn more about today's storyteller go to the storytellersradio.com there you can subscribe to the podcast and hear all of our past shows and join us again next week at the same time for the storytellers with tony agnesi Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at CatholicSingles.com.